from high atop 1926 Hollywood Boulevard. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com. Strangely, perhaps, there's another profession that is disproportionately hallowed as an empire declines. The Romans, the Ottomans, and the Spanish all made celebrities of their chefs. And this, again, is typifying the end of an empire, where things were so great we have this last oomph of momentum that we used to be great, and we felt great, and we don't feel it anymore. So everyone is out searching for it. Well, maybe it's in the best food, or the best clothes, or the best music, or the best movies, or a reality TV show, or another magazine. But you can never get enough of what you don't need. What you need is a strong moral conviction that is pervasive throughout the society, and integrity reigns. Hawaiian for you right there, baby. Midnight high pressure. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Groupathon. I am Tony C. And as always, I'm joined live in the studio by the master of production and engineering, the man who makes sure that our group is satin smooth, a man as skilled with eight tracks to slide as he is with eight wheels to glide. Oh. Say hello to Los Tortes. Thank you. I'm just embracing the identity as the uh, the skater man. Okay. I, I, you know, last week you were asking me if I thought, the, you know, do you spend time? Yes. The answer is yes, I do. Okay. Put a little thought into it. There's some effort there. That's it's love. It comes from love. Okay. So you know, every groupathon is all about an attitude of gratitude and love, baby. Mujo Mahalo to everybody tuning in live and downloading the show here in America and around the world, y'all. How you doing, pal of mine? A little bit harried today, but I finally, after sitting here for an hour, I finally managed to put a smile on your face, so I'm feeling good about the direction of the show right now. Good. Well, I was, uh, I accomplished everything that I was uh, trying to accomplish. I know. I, I, no, no, no thanks to anyone else in the, in the studio over here. Look, my, my technological prowess is zero. My, my, yeah. uh, my talking prowess is poorly timed. But it exists. Sure. But uh, understand something. If you are a race car driver, <laughs> right, and you're in the pit stop, and the mechanics are doing what the mechanics do, and they I would have... ask you kindly to stop fucking driving the car <laughs> so we can change the fucking tires. Just step out for a second, would you? Let me fix the car. <laughs> I, I, the fact that you managed to get it done... While I was driving, okay, so that is the key. Like, okay, just uh, just work around it. That's I was, you know, we were just talking about various people. You know, you're saying, you know, how you feel about Bill Maher. I bust Bill Maher's chops all the time, usually on pot stuff. And your feeling is, it's not so much that he's funny, but you agree. 
He, yes. point of view, you're, you're on schedule that. He has observations Basically. that I'm I agree with. For, for example, George Carlin also had observations that I agree with. Yeah, but he's funny but, as shit. But he phrased it in yeah. a funny way well, where these people have 50% yeah. funny. Bill Maher's latest show, uh, the one he just did Friday, his new rules segment, you know, because I bust a shop, so you got to give credit where credit is due. If I'm going to dish it out, you know, the bad stuff I got to, you know, give with good stuff. Very good. It's worth watching. He talks about why all this impeachment talk is a lot of hot air, and he really does nail it this week. So if you get a chance, I would suggest that highly. Here's something that popped out of me. I'm, I'm you know, just reading through a bunch of headlines. This one caught my eye. The Vatican owns $25 billion in property and $10 billion in art and yet cannot solve child poverty. So I, <laughs> They're not really trying. I was going to say, what a scam. <laughs> what a, all of, all what a racket. All of it. What a racket. Anyway, we've been going uh, on another three-week spread in between shows. Hey, you know, it's the summer schedule. Okay. Of course, it's basically summer down here 11 months of the year, so that's that works in our favor. You know? But uh, as usual, three-week spread, we have lots and lots of stuff to get to today, including Madame Pele says, pull my finger, and then rips a mean one. China cracks a 10-gigawatt smile. As the last few coal miners beg Congress to let one more generation enjoy the same black lung as their pappies and grandpappies before them. Gas prices are up and pot prices are down. Note to self, invent an engine that runs on sour diesel. Oh! Oh! Kansas cops get department-issued Kleenex after being told they have to pull themselves over during traffic stops. Plus... Bill Burr rationalizes domestic violence, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and later on, I'm going to shine a light into the dark corner of America where the shameless and shameful alike have begun to embrace even the mildest of conflicts through the use of the mantra, what would Trump do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. And I've got a brand new word to describe President Trump that is absolutely trademark worthy. I, I gave you a heads up on this. I'm going to bring okay. it up during the show. A hundred percent. hundred percent. All right. hundred percent. Okay. Well, of course, all that is going to be amidst the finest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air, including, I swear to God, the grooviest version of On Broadway by George Benson that I have ever heard. By far, sensational. Easy to forget. What a sensational guitar player he is. Like how, you know, you did tons of studio work from yes. Blue Note during the 60s. And then he went off into that direction where it's, you know, easy listening and love songs because he's got a fantastic voice, too. You forget that this guy is a phenomenal guitar player. I found it. It's a live version from uh, from Cafe Watt, and it is kick-ass. It is just past 2 o'clock. The only Hollywood that matters anymore. Yeah, you know what that is. Hollywood, Florida, that is. <laughs> that means it's just past 8 a.m. Aloha time, where the Kau crew is getting a sulfur-scented Cleveland steamer from Kilauea. Just past 7 at night in Dublin, Lytham, St. Anne, and the rest of Western Europe. And just past 9 p.m. in Istanbul, where RCG is maintaining full group status for the region. Yo, Gramps. What? Hey. Yo, you ready, steady? I'm ready. Uh, saddle up. It's the Groovadon on SoFloRadio.com.
logical conclusion. They're like, there is no reason to hit a woman. There is no reason to hit a woman. And I was just like, really? I could give you like 17 right off the top of my head. You could wake me from a drunken stupor, I could still give you like nine. Dude, there's plenty of reasons to hit a woman. You just don't do it. But to sit there and suggest that there's no reason. Dude, the level of ego behind that statement what are you, levitating above the rest of us? You're never annoying? Oh, dude, it drives me nuts. There's no reason. There's no reason. Really? No reason? How about this? You marry a girl, you fall in love, you buy her a house. You go to work every day, paying off the house. You come home one day, she's banging the next door neighbor, hands you divorce papers. You got to move out, sleep on a futon, and still pay for that house that she's going to stay in. No reason. <laughs> I'm not saying you should do it, but there's plenty of fucking reasons in that arc of a story. All right, that was a hypothetical. You want an actual story? I'll give you one. I'll give you one. All right, I fucked up my foot playing drums, trying to get my bass drum foot as fast as uh, John Bonham's because I figure that's a good thing to focus on. 43 years of age, never married, no kids. I figure this, this is going to lead me to the light, right? This, this, this is what I need to do. <laughs> So I don't know what I did. I, I felt like after I played for like an hour and afterwards, I felt like literally like there was some midget stabbing me in the bottom of my foot, right? Like I had lightning coming out of the bottom of my foot. So I did the typical guy thing. I'm like, I'm not going to the hospital. I'll sleep it off. Be fine, right? Next morning I wake up, my foot's even worse. And I got to walk my crazy dog. So I'm like, I can't do it. My foot's killing me. So I wake up, my girl go, sweetheart, sweetheart, can you do me a favor? Can you do me a favor? Can, can you walk the dog for me? Can you uh, just take the shift? 
you know, I'll do your afternoon shift. Can you just do me this solid? Can you do this for me? And she's just like, oh. You know, I had a late night last night. I'm tired. I have a big day. And I just go, fuck it. She goes, what do you mean, fuck it? It's like, why can't you just say no? Why do you always got to, like, waterboard me with, like, a 20-minute explanation that eventually winds its way around to go, fuck yourself. Just say no. So I'm just limping out of the room. Whatever, go back to bed. You got a big day, right? So now I'm, like, limping down the street. I got, like, Tourette's. Fuck, fuck, damn bullshit. Dog's walking next to me. I got to admit, I got a little childish. I did. I got a little childish, you know? I was just thinking about my relationship. I'm like, this, this is the relationship I'm in? You're just going to do whatever the hell you want to do, right? And fuck me? Fine. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. I feel like listening to my iPod on full blast, walking around the house. That's what I'm going to do. So that's what I did. Turned it all the way up, and I just, I, my whole plan was just to walk by her like I didn't even know her. That was it. She came down the hall. I just ghosted her. Just walked right past her. <laughs> Just trying to piss her off. And I got to tell you something. Work like a charm. <laughs> work like a charm. Yeah. Hung my coat up. Turned around. By the time I turned around, she was already yelling at me. But the music was so loud. Not only could I not hear her, it actually looked like she was singing the song that I was listening to. Oh, it's one of the highlights of the relationship. So I knew what she was saying. I was like, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. Leave me alone. I'm going on to the computer, right? So I limp over and I sit down, and unbeknownst to me, she's like, no, we're going to talk about this right now. Comes out, poof, and slaps the headphones off my head. I got a big, I got big ears. It fucking hurt. So I'm like, honey, leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. Put the headphones back on. She comes right back up again. Poof, slaps them off a little harder. This time they spin halfway around my head. Caveman DNA starts coming up. Talking through my teeth. Honey, leave me alone. Don't want to talk about it, right? Put them on third time. She comes out. Poof, slaps him right across the room, and I snap. I'm like, fine, you want to have the fight? Let's fucking have the fight. She's like, we will discuss this later when you calm down. Ah, <laughs> oh, right there. I just wanted to roll her up on her yoga mat and stuff her behind the couch. Just leave her there until she got thirsty. Come on, let me out of here. I, I have a spin class. You've made your point. This is, this is ridiculous.
far, I just can't see You're so far away from me You're so far away from me
girl in the back, won't you get a little closer to me? While you say, we say, Straight out of Hilo Bra, yeah. Little Jawayan. That's the Steppas. They're doing that song. The band from their 2014 release, To You From We. Knew those guys uh, from on the big island over there. For that, Dire Straits So Far Away, Brothers in Arms, 1985. I actually, I went on a, this one of those things, I went on a, uh, one of those AYH bike trips. Okay. Uh, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. We did Cape Cod and stuff. And this is back in like, I don't know when this was. Back in the maybe 19th. 78 something like that and there was somebody who was on the trip with us and they had like a little tape recorder they only had two cassettes with them okay that we listened to for basically three weeks okay and there were david bowie changes and the first dire straits cassette and for three weeks that's all we had to listen to not bad (laughs) i was all yeah there are worse fates yeah i was all right with that for that bill burr yeah, there are reasons, you know. I, I love it. There's never any reason to hit a woman. Yes, there is. You just don't do it. <laughs> so like, what are you, there's just no, you never get annoying. Thought that was funny. Before that, I talked about this last show. Mm-hmm. I had six different versions of Oh Well, you know, the, uh, the Fleetwood Mats on the Peter Green thing. I got a great version of them doing it, actually. That is Billy Burnett from his album Memphis in Manhattan came out in 2006. Kick-ass version of that song. I love that. It's just, you know, it's raw. So you definitely want to check out the entire uh, CD is really good. Memphis in Manhattan, Billy Burnett for that. Getting my go-go's for a long trouble. Funk, let's get small. That is from one of my favorite compilation albums, Go-Go Crankin', which is a compilation of uh, Washington, D.C. go-go music. It's got uh, Slim and EU and Reds and the Boys and uh, trying to think of who else is on that. I believe, uh, Mass, uh, Mass Extension is on that. A lot of trouble funk. Um Great stuff came out. It's called uh, "Go Go Crank and Paint the White House Black," and it came okay. out around 1984-85. Fabulous, fabulous collection. It basically that's actually a must own because if you don't have any like serious go go music, that really does 
that that'll get your that that is a collection. That's your collection right there. You can get a bigger collection, but as long as you have that, you can say you have a go-go music collection. It's that good. Kicking it off, Jane's Addiction, just because from Strays, their fourth album there, Navarro on that Dave Navarro just kicking serious ass on that one. So, well, right off the bat, about things caught my eye. Talking about this last show, talking about Kilauea, talking about the uh, Geyser and Yellowstone. Well, since our last show, okay, yeah. Kilauea is basically having its say. Ma, you know, Pele is going to do what she wants to do. We seem to forget, okay, that she's just basically taking back, let, she's basically taking back a little bit of what was hers originally anyway. Hawaii, you know, people are concerned with global warming yes. because the coastlines are encroaching. Well, Hawaii is getting larger. Oh, yeah. I think that's good Hawaii news. Hawaii isn't getting larger sure. since the 1980s. Yeah, well, this is good news. You know, it's interesting because when I lived out there, something uh, it's called VOG, volcanic fog. And basically, mm. when it wasn't fully erupting like it is now, you know, it was erupting a little bit. And you'd have this, you know, the steam coming out of it. Okay. And the trade winds blow. Easter. Yeah, they do. They <laughs> it's so hard Now, if we to... can just figure out if we get them to swallow, so they go east to west, okay? And so it's it, you know, it blows across the island, and where I was was west of Kilauea. It's like 50 miles mm-hmm. west. And I, the guy who lived next door to me, this guy Sam, he's from one of the largest uh, families on the island. And I was talking with him one day, and it was a particular, one of those days where you could smell the vog. You could you get that sulfur smell. Okay, because the wind was blowing a little bit mm-hmm. to the north, so it was coming up the mountain where we were. And I was talking to him, and he goes, oh, let me tell you something, man. He goes, back. He goes, you know, I remember before Kilauea. He goes, and then one day I woke up, and the horizon was gone because mm-hmm. it obscures the horizon. Mm-hmm. And basically, he woke up one day, and the horizon was gone because Kilauea started erupting. It's been erupting for, you know, 30-some-odd mm-hmm. years now. It's going to have its say, okay? Deal with it. Mm-hmm. These people, it's just like, you know, the, the, the thing that I played from George Carlin last week. You know, these people move into Leilani Estates in the town of Volcano, and then they wonder why they got, you know, lava in their living rooms. Duh! This is what happens when you live, okay, 10 miles from the world's most active volcano. Most yeah. active volcano. Okay? <laughs> you know, what world are you living in where that's not going to, at some point or another, affect you? So, and the, you know, I thought this was interesting is, uh, I was talking about Yellowstone, the, uh, the geyser there. Well, guess what? The Yellowstone's largest geyser erupted for the fifth time in just two months. It's never erupted five times in a year. It's done mm-hmm. five times. Okay. It just says puzzling scientists. Scientists are puzzled. No, I because don't they can't, think so. there's no way to it sounds figure. Sounds like a reporter wrote that. Yeah, but there's no way to figure this stuff out. Uh, you know, you can't. So, like I said, Madame Pelé is going to have her say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what she leaves behind is always way more beautiful than that which she, you know, runs roughshod over. Okay? Because I, I lived out there, and she created it all, and it is stunning. So, she you know, you know she's, she's just looking to expand. She's, mm-hmm. adding, she's adding a little room onto sure. the house. Just, just adding extension. Ain't no thing. Got your fisher right here. Uh, remember the, uh, the house chaplain? Got canned by Paul Ryan? Not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Guess there yeah. was a bit of a backlash on that. <laughs> she bows to the backlash. It was interesting. Mr. Ryan denied at an event in Milwaukee last week that his decision to ask for Friar Conroy, Conroy's resignation was, quote, about politics or prayers. It wasn't about that. He said, quote, a number of our members felt like the pastoral services were not being adequately served or offered to Congress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my God. 
So we, you know, he went back on that one. This is interesting. There is uh, Ethan Hawke quit being a Knicks fan when he stopped getting free tickets. Now, he got free tickets all these years to the New York Knicks. And he was saying, you know, when I got famous, I would call up. You know, after I did uh, Reality Bites, I would be able to call up. and they'd, give me, they'd hook me up with tickets. And he's, you know, he's been getting free tickets ever since whenever he wants. And he got seats, you know, these great seats on the floor. They're like $7,000 a seat for the games. You know, the floor seats are ridiculous. And he apparently, after they fired Mike D'Antoni, he badmouthed the Knicks a little bit. He was like, they shouldn't do that. He went on, he said a bunch of things. So he called up one day, wanted his tickets, and they were like, that'll be $7,800, please. <laughs> okay? And he basically said, I'm not going to be a fan anymore. That's it. He went on, so... You know, he decided to become a LeBron James fan. That was it. He's now all about Cleveland, LeBron James. So basically, to recap, Ethan Hawke was a huge Knicks fan until they started making him pay for tickets. Then, when they did, Hawke, who recently, okay, he also just sold his New York City townhouse for a $2.8 million profit. He took this as an affront, so much so that he became a LeBron James fan. And the uh, guy from, uh, from Yahoo Sports said, congratulations, Ethan. You've somehow made James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, into a somewhat sympathetic figure. James Dolan is like, he is so hated by Knicks fans, it's almost, in fact, and deservedly so. Um, you remember the uh, Blake, uh, what is this guy's name? Blake Farenhold, the, uh, the congressman. Hey. Yeah, the congressman was supposed to pay $84,000. He, he paid $84,000 to settle a... Uh, a uh, sexual harassment lawsuit. And he said, you know, then he quit. said, I'll pay it back. Guess what? Nope, not going to pay it back. Yeah. Okay. Oh, bonus package for uh, for Blake. He um, he got a new job as a lobbyist. Okay. Yeah. So not only did he rip off the American taxpayer, mm-hmm. he got a job, okay, where the job description is ripping off the American taxpayer. Well, really got at least it's in his wheelhouse. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely. Look, you know, years and years of experience. Right, I want to check that word off. I've been looking for an excuse to use it, and I don't want to use it again for another year. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah, let me see. Uh, new law. Kansas cops can't have sex during traffic stops, which is interesting because you would have thought that'd be a law already. But guess what? Kansas is one of 33 states where consensual sex between police and people in their custody isn't a crime. <laughs> I thought well, that. Uh, why should it be? You know, I, I just, I, when I first read it, I thought to myself, "Wow, Kansas, you've been hanging around this long with it, but there are still thirty some odd states where it is legal. New York State being one of them. Okay, it's legal to do that. How is it possible? Okay, that this has been deemed as okay? What is it? Time off? Yeah, <laughs> I'm on my break, and you know, I really don't want to have to rub one out. So if it's all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull somebody over for a traffic stop, see if I can get a quickie. Sure. In lieu of a ticket, of course. Well, that's probably the part that's illegal. Yeah, I'm thinking that's what they describe as punching your ticket. You validate your parking. No. Oh, I like that. China is installing a bewildering and potentially troublesome amount of solar capacity. I've been talking about this for a while. The MIT Technology Review keeps track of this stuff, and. Uh, said that China added almost 10 gigawatts of photovoltaic generation to its grid in the first three months of this year. Uh, the context of that is that 
let me see, 9.65 gigawatts of solar capacity in the first quarter of 2018. That's up from around 7 gigawatts in the same period last year. Um, the work, um, where is it? Uh, blah, blah, blah. This, is, this is the power equivalent of 10 giant nuclear plants brought online in three months. That's what they did with solar energy. Their biggest problem right now, okay, is that um, it outstrips the predictions that they had. And so the, uh, there's, they, they're having too much of a good thing because they recently found themselves struggling with oversupply of solar power. Oh, that that were our problem, right? You know, right. we should be so lucky. The thing was it was expected to become less of a problem as new installations. They didn't have the grid to support it yet. Okay, that's their only problem is they need to get a grid to catch up with their creation of energy. We, on the other hand, need to get an attitude. We need to get the will, the committed will to do it. That's all we're missing. We've got the grid. Okay, all we need is to start putting in 10 gigawatts of photovoltaic energy solar panels. Solve our problems right there. China Mm -hmm. can do it. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, they're doing it with our help because... Our president so so concerned about creating jobs over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. over there. China, China, China. So oil prices are up. Weed prices are down. I predicted the oil prices. Okay, West Texas Intermediate about seventy two bucks a barrel. Um, it was interesting because one of the things that I had been talking about was that when Trump came into office, as I wrote and said at the very beginning of two thousand seventeen, I said it's going to be a boom for the oil market. I said, you know, law, you want to buy long-term spot market stops at mm-hmm. 65, 67, 68. You would, have been made, you would have made a fortune right now because it was at 55 a barrel back then. Okay? So some shell producers have been booking losses from hedging over the hedged part of their production at 50 and 55 a barrel. What they did was when the price went down, they basically locked themselves in at 55 a barrel. Well, now the price is up to 70, so they're getting their ass kicked. Good. Go fuck yourself. You gambled the wrong way. You gambled on on a gambled on basically sticking a pipe in the ground to get something out and then filling that hole back up with shit you don't tell us about. Fuck you. So there you go. Falling pot prices. Okay. Yeah. Now back on the first show of the, show of the year. Okay, I smacked down uh, Jank Uger, who was all psyched. He was all psyched mm-hmm. about the uh, the pot prices, and I said that every time one of you big noises tries to compare it to alcohol or anything else, you're out of your mind. And I said, what happens when Ma and Pa Kettle realize that they can make more money off of one acre of pot than they ever dreamed of making off of 100 acres of anything else? I said, that's right. At first, we're going to become a nation of pot growers. But that's only until the price starts to plummet because of an abundance of supply. And you know what happens when the price plummets? That's right. Tax revenues go down. And as, as do the incomes of growers, and this is when the corporations and cartels will try and step in with their assets to ensure long-term viability in the face of falling prices because they're the only two groups that can get an economy of scale large enough to make it profitable when the price is low. What they're doing now from the the Motley Fool has uh, started to talk about this. and They said Colorado extended a moratorium on the issuance of new cannabis licenses, allowing big cannabis players in the state to purchase the majority of licenses available. Furthermore, there are no limits on the number of plants a facility can grow in Colorado, which has allowed these larger businesses to boost production and essentially flood the market with marijuana, even if demand for the product isn't there. In other words, 
We're not seeing demand driving competition in Colorado. Okay. Instead, an oligopoly driven oversupply is pushing prices down. While this could be good news for the consumer for the time being, in the long term, it could keep smaller marijuana players out of the market by keeping margins low, ensuring that just a few larger players remain. That's a recipe for higher prices down the line. Hey, didn't see that one coming. Whoop, whoop, yep, whoa. Yes, I did. Okay. In another article, they said, a broader trend that I believe is worth keeping a close eye on is whether or not we witness the takeover by big business in the U.S. marijuana industry, just as we've seen in Canada's pot industry. Bigger businesses have certainly made their mark, such as in Colorado, where they acquired most of the limited supply of growing licenses. Let me see if this sounds familiar to you, this last line from this Motley, uh, Motley Fool article. Big businesses tend to have deep pockets and benefit from economies of scale, helping to keep their costs lower than smaller growing options. There you go. Yeah. I, I'm not sure why I heard that before. Oh, whoop, yep, wrote it. Saw this one coming. This, is, this was so easy to project. This is why every time Jank Uger, Bill Maher, et al. go, I want, you know, pot to be legalized nationally, period. You're opening up the door for the worst elements to get into the business. Okay, that's what you're doing. You're allowing the big boys to get into it. We are much better off having smaller players. If they could limit the amount that a large organization in Colorado could grow, we wouldn't have this. Now, consumers right now, okay, are benefiting from lower prices. But that's only until they get rid of all the small players. Because once they do that, then it's open season for them. Because you're going to be hooked on getting from them because there ain't going to be anybody else to get it from. And then they can just raise the prices all they want. They can lower production anytime they want and bring the prices back up. They flooded the market to bring them down. All they got to do is reverse the process once there's nobody else around to compete with them. This is what happens. This is the downside. So, mm-hmm. you know, welcome welcome to a pot world that eventually is going to be driven by R.J. Reynolds and Monsanto. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Give them the keys to the Kush kingdom. That's what we did. Okay. Jerusalem, the embassy, all this stuff that's going on there. Mm-hmm. When this happened last week, they uh, it was televised live. Okay? So it was like a split screen almost. You've got on one side, you've got... Jared Kushner and, you know, Trump's kid, Ivanka, Ivanka, okay, all a flutter about the moving of the uh, the United States Embassy to Jerusalem. And on the other side of the screen, you've got a war going on on the border of the Gaza Strip and Israel. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the comments I saw from a Trump supporter mentioned that there were no Democrats, no Democrat members of Congress at the uh, ceremony for the – for the moving of the uh, of the embassy, mm-hmm. and I said, I can assure you that Hashem is not supportive of President Trump's intent, nor is he grateful for his ilk any more than he is the pastor Hades and Jeffers of the world, who both were in attendance and both were, you know, the scumbags. Want to know why no Democrats attended today's ceremony? Perhaps it's because they understand that Israel's best long-term interests are better served by attempting to ensure a peaceful coexistence with those around them than they are by inciting the already terroristically inclined. However arduous and often futile the efforts wind up being in the face of those who wish no such detente, let alone actual peace. Do I think Jerusalem belongs to Israel? Yes. Do I think moving America's embassy to to Jerusalem 
furthers my Kohanim forefathers' right to self-determination, born more than 6,000 years ago, and finally codified in 1948? No. Does overtly placating Benji and the Lechudniks serve the best interests of America and Americans any more than, let's say, creating Chinese telecommunication jobs? Absolutely not. What we witnessed today was nothing more than a crystal clear example of President Trump getting played like a two-shekel banjo by Netanyahu, who, despite being in lockstep both ideologically and criminally with our president, is 10 times smarter than his American counterpart. And all of this, just so that, for the moment, the leader of the free world can claim promises made, promises kept, in the face of having broken every other promise he campaigned on. Now, there was a lot that I, I saw a whole bunch. There's, there are quite a few people out there, and justifiably so, that took one look at what was essentially a televised one-sided slaughter of the IDF mowing down the protesters, okay? And one of the things that uh, a friend of mine posted, I don't know if you remember this, but last year, a, um, a uh, bill that was joined, it was bipartisan, Democrats and Republicans, they criminalized speech critical of Israel, requesting information on boycotts and stuff like that. It was, it was a, they, make, they're making a, they made it a criminal offense. Now, it didn't pass. Mm-hmm. But that's what they were supporting. They wanted to make sure that nobody could speak ill of Israel. Now, I was, I, I said that this was just the Democrats proving that they can engage in toxic hypocrisy just as profoundly as the GOP. And I said, I'm a Zionist, but I'm not a fundamentalist by any means. Okay? Fundamentalism in any regard is bad. Okay? That's, mm-hmm. okay, okay. And I find those who support um, Israel, who uh, support boycotting Israel while somehow having nothing to say about a terrorist organization being chosen to lead and govern a people they see as under occupation, also toxically apocryphal. And this is what makes me so fucking pissed at wuss weasels like Schumer, who supported this bill against speaking ill. It's, mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I said, this is exactly the kind of thing that lends bogus plausibility to some Ralph Reed wannabe looking to make a name and more than likely a dollar for himself by claiming that there should be a law prohibiting anyone from supporting a boycott of Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A. Any senator or congressman who supports this bill loses the right to ever yak about President Trump trying to stifle transparency because both actions are an affront to freedom and democracy. Now, <clears throat> Benjamin uh, Netanyahu's party in Israel, the Israeli parliament, which is the uh, Knesset, Mm-hmm. You're gonna love the, it. The, the Likud party. Yes, yeah, it's the Lechud. Lechud, yes. Lechud party. Le, okay. Okay. And uh, the followers, the the name that you know, the the snarky name people came up with for people who support the Lechud party are Lechudniks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But in this case, because Donald Trump was basically, you know, BB pulled a fast one. I said that. You ready? Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Trump was Lechudwinked. Oh, by BB. Lechudwinked. Lechudwinked. Defined as being being conned by the leader of the Lechud party. Mm -hmm. He was Lechudwinked. Trademark. Mm -hmm. That's cute. I thought, come on. 
Took a little, the Lachudnik thing. I could have come up with that. And, you know, you, if you told me to come up with something, snarky, you would have. I would have hadn't. Yeah, if they hadn't done it, I absolutely. I'd have been all over that action. So, various people went online, and there's a guy named Hassan Piker. He does uh, stuff for uh, Young Turks, and I like this guy. He's, you know, I like they they do these mm-hmm. like rapid fire video editorials and shit. He came on and he basically did his speech about they're occupied and nobody, you know, mm-hmm. this is terrible. What's going on? And you know. Here's the thing. Okay, they I considered okay, what I would have done if I was the Israeli Prime Minister in lieu of the Shanda <laughs> I wrote that was the IDF's target practice like shooting of hundreds of protesting Palestinians. Now of course, keep in mind that the protest was planned, announced, and incited by the duly elected Palestinian government, better known as the terrorist group Hamas. Mm-hmm. Let's remember that for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a group that basically took 135 million dollars and did not build schools, didn't mm-hmm. build hospitals, okay, didn't try mm-hmm. and feed people or boost their economy. They built tunnels, mm-hmm. and what they brought in those tunnels wasn't food, wasn't medicine, wasn't educational stuff, it was guns and bombs. That's mm-hmm. what they spent their money on. So, if I'm the, the leader, okay, I got the whole. I know the whole world is going to be watching live. Yeah, yeah. everything is live. Okay, they're all waiting just for the money shot. And I'd rather not be seen as having given a go-ahead to justifiably protect my nation's borders by engaging in a one-sided smackdown resulting in multiple fatalities. So what are my options? You know what's going to happen. What are mm-hmm. my options? Okay, my first thought was water cannons. But I immediately pushed that off to the side for two reasons. One, the first thing that came into my mind were images of Selma in the 60s, <laughs> you know, that just popped into my head, but also probably not the best use of water if your skirmish is in the desert. So now what's next? I considered rubber bullets, tear gas, shock grenades, although they're not going to work too well outside, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay? Seriously, what were the options? This is, this is my question for everybody that has, you know, that is horrified by what they saw. Okay? I could, there's got to be a way to repel them. Okay? I'm waiting for suggestions. I'm waiting. Everybody's horrified at this, but nobody wants to say, well, what, what, what would have happened if the Israeli Defense Forces didn't do anything? If they just basically tried to keep them back, what would have happened? What are the options? I'm waiting for anybody, Bueller, anybody. Well, one can't talk because of that ill bill that Schumer passed. Damn Skippy. One can't say. I know. It's horrible. One can't say. One can't say what ought to be done without being branded an anti-Semite. You know that. I do. Yeah. And so, just to be clear, there's a difference between being an anti-Zionist and an anti-Semite. One can't disagree with right-wing Israeli policy without being branded an anti-Semite. Well, you know what? Feel free if you want to. Oh, no. We're on Facebook. Okay. Now you're just fucking with me. No. No, no I'm not. We're all supposed to pretend... I got that everything's great. I watch something like that, and uh, in America, we can disagree with right wing politics, yeah, and that's okay. But I can't disagree with right wing policies, right wing political policies in one particular nation without being branded a bigot, which is horrible because uh, I'm not a bigot. <laughs> I'm a I'm a victim of bigotry. Yes, and, that's the bigotry. And, uh, all right, Schubert's the bigot. I'm no, but I'm I'm a I've, I'm I'm a I'm a freaking refugee for Christ's sakes. I've had bigotry thrown in my face plenty of times, and it offends me if someone accuses me of being a bigot because I'm very sensitive about especially, minorities especially of all kinds to, of yeah. So 
so one can't discuss this issue. One can't take the same position as a left-wing Israeli in Israel right now. That's right. One can't say the words that the left-wing uh, in, in Israel, their own country, the, the opposition to Bibi Netanyahu's party, is saying what ought to have been done and what ought to be done on a daily basis and what ought what Israeli policy ought to be. There are people saying that, articulating that over there without being called anti-Semites. But if a goyim says that same shit over here, you're a Jew hater. So um, here I sit taking notes, and I'm not going to say shit. All right, well. All right? I disagree with right-wing policy in general. Yes. In general. I find it to be very bigoted, nationalistic, fascistic, and uh, and Benjamin Netanyahu epitomizes all of that. Yep. And and, and everyone, his party and everyone that agrees with that and all of the religious fundamentalists whose position on any issue is based on a book they pretend to believe in. And I do say (laughs) pretend. Yes. I don't believe any of you motherfuckers believe in any word of it. It's none a, of you. You don't believe in talking donkeys. You don't McGuffin. believe in talking donkeys. You don't. You don't. You pretend to, but you don't. So for anyone to, for all the all of these right in America president. and over there, their position is based on the book they pretend to believe. But you don't. You're just a bigot, and I don't want to be involved in y'all's family feud over there. I really don't want to be involved. I don't want my tax dollars involved. I don't want my UN vote involved. You've been fighting for 2,000 years. You're the children of Abraham. Uh, it saddens my heart. You should be at each other's table, not at each other's throat. I agree. And, 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 and the fact that you can't get along makes my heart sad, and I want it to be none of my business. I want to be uninvolved. I want my nation to be uninvolved, if nothing else. Yep. I. You know okay? what? My nation, this one over here. Yep, I, I want it to be uninvolved in the family feud going on over there in the desert between uh, the the cousins, the the the, the children of I Abraham, half brothers, half brothers. I know, and they both. By the way, according to both people's book, they, they came both, back together. They both, they both have a claim to it. Yeah, in addition to which, they both showed up for the funeral with their dad you know, made up. Do you know how insane it is to be at war at a at a at a generations long bloodthirsty war? And what are you fighting about? What you agree about? They're fighting because they agree. Yeah. Nobody else believes that God gave that land to them, <laughs> but the but these two parties, they both believe that God gave it to both of them. Yep. So you should be agreeing. Hey, look, agree. I and go to dinner already. Okay. There, that's what you should do. Okay, as the Israeli Prime Minister, I okay. Invite everybody to dinner. Yeah, it's kosher. They keep halal. They keep kosher. Absolutely. You agree about every fucking thing. Okay, and here's here's the one thing, and I I like everything you said, and I think that'd be a great idea, okay, as long as they don't bring a bomb to the dinner table, and they tend to bring bombs to the dinner table. They do. Yeah, but that's they, see. I mean, other I mean, than that. I'm all about it. If they could just stop wanting to they wipe out say, Israel and they might kill every Jew. We I are six million they're... surrounded by 200 million who wish us dead. Okay, You know, you come, know what? Come to the dinner table in they, peace, and I am all over it, We do this all, all day, but we got groove. We do. We've <laughs> been having this argument for 2,000 years. I don't want to be involved. You're right. You know what? You're right. We keep the groove growing. Little Savoy Brown, the groove on. SofaRadio.com. <laughs>
Ignorance when we're inviting you to get advancement while you're on the dance tip. And don't you know the transcript will make you shake hips or chill at will? And with skill, you learn some etiquette. Better get the subject of the last of the predicate and get a set of headphones and speakers. As lyrical lessons manifest, I will keep abreast of the best in this rap mess. Oversaturated market full of whackness. I'm gifted unlimited, rhymes universal. Nursing you with a first pill, don't choke And don't turn blue in a frenzy Premier severe on the scale will be lensy Spontaneous cuts, but not mainly just that It's a scratching format, exactly maddening accuracy Craftily, on the side or in back of me Nastily, as if his name was Dick Dastardly Original, so get it, yo, the gang gets respect The chain and the star is a symbol of his former intellect Van Fleet. They are Led Zeppelin one. Yeah. It's like the kid looks like he's just dropped out of a kind of a beautiful little singer. Yes. Very smart. I've seen them. Yeah. They're really, really young. Yeah. I've seen him. And I hate him. 
He's uh, he has got such a huge voice that young yeah, fella. Yeah, and he man. borrowed it from somebody I know very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what are you going to do? I can't, it's have okay. you been, have, do you know? Has he has he tried to meet you? Have you has he been have been re- no, no, I mean, at least he's got a bit of style because he said he based his whole style on Aerosmith. <laughs>
dog is sick, baby, she ain't small Play the cold too low, she's the queen of heart, yeah Oh, what she don't know, baby, she don't care I'm gonna find that bitch in it all well Boys, Flaming Groovies, High Flying Baby, Teenage Head, 1971, love those guys. Great band right there. For that, yeah, I couldn't help myself. We were talking last week. I mentioned something, and you went, yeah, nice job about getting those trains on time. I see, you know, and you, you know, and I uh-huh. said, I think about Gang of Four. Well, yeah, guess what? Gang of Four, I love a man in uniform. That's uh, the original verses from Songs of the Free. That's the extended play that I have. I have a bunch of their, uh, they're like 12-inch, you know, um, I love a man in uniform, uh, Armalite rifle, always a uh, always a gang of four class like that. For that, Greta Van Fleet, Black Smoke Rising, that was live from Coachella about a month ago. Now, you know, before that is a clip of Robert Plant in an interview talking about, you know, being interviewed about Greta Van Fleet. And he said, well, I haven't uh, spoken with them yet because the kid said that he kind of modeled everything after Aerosmith. I have a... Your your Robert me working on Robert Plant actually spawned some wonderful daddy daughter time. Did it really? It reminded me that I hadn't. I'm adding my music collection to my phone little by little. I have a lot of storage here, okay. and I listen to uh, my daughter p- grabbed my phone and plays DJ, and she goes through the music collection, which is everything five minutes ago to yeah. you know to the very beginning of recording. 
And uh, you said Robert Plant. I saw Robert Plant. I just heard the little clip while I was editing the show, and I'm like, I don't have any Robert Plant on my phone. The, <laughs> the, the solo stuff. Right, yeah. So I dragged a bunch on, and that's what we listened to while driving around oh. and uh, everything. 29 Palms is my favorite for the record. Go oh, on. yeah. Set. Well, the, the, uh, it was interesting because uh, last year when I first you know, kind of stumbled across these guys, I said on the show, I said, these guys are restoring my faith in rock and roll. Well, Rolling Stone magazine on April the 19th, the true believers, Greta Van Fleet, are determined to make rock relevant again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's nice to see that the Jan Wemmer's jumping on the group with Don Bandwagon. I appreciate that. Nice of them to do that. Those guys, you know, they're, they're, um, I, they have, they, they give me hope and faith for regular rock and roll to straight up kick your teeth down your throat. Rock and roll. So, you know, keep doing it. And, uh, <laughs> the, I think the funny thing is the guy goes, you know, it's a great voice. You know, he's got a really powerful voice. And Robert Plant goes, yeah. He modeled it after somebody. <laughs> I guess, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, he feels about them. Before that gang, the star, form of intellect from Step Into the Arena, absolutely one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever. Somewhere, I, it's on the uh, list of uh, 1,000 albums you need to hear before you die. And it's in, like, one of the times in the top 200. Is that good? And kicking off the set? Yeah. Savoy Brown. Tell Mama from Street Corner Talking. That was their, uh, I don't know, they like, that was the album they came out with, uh, what is it, um, Right after, like, basically the entire band split, uh, three out of the four members left Savoy Brown and formed uh, Foghat. So, okay. you know, they went, I thought this was interesting. I was reading a bunch of stuff. Bill Bruford was actually the uh, drummer for Savoy Brown for two weeks. <laughs> That's all. Did he last for two weeks? He was replaced by Steve Earle. He ended up doing okay because he went on to yes. So, nice job there. Um, shout out. Quick shout out right here. You know. We've been doing a show now for three years, right? Yeah. Okay. And I'm not exactly big in the uh, email thing. I, I don't know how to check my email, which is why I have to ask you to do it every couple of months. All right? And we don't really, uh, as far as snail mail is concerned, it doesn't occur to us that we're going to get anything. So we're not exactly keeping up with the, uh, with the mail. Well, guess what? Shout out to yeah. Mark Pilat for sending me the brand new Urban Blue CD, I just got those. He sent them in February, so we're a little late, mm-hmm. okay? We're a little late, but... By the way, this, they, they, I don't understand the the office just sat on it, and they, it gave it to me like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, you know, better late than never. So, shout out. Thanks, thanks for that. We're going to be listening to that. I'm sure we'll get a little airplay down the line there. So, here we go. I, I uh... One of the things that I, I started to notice recently, and I've noticed this on television as well. You know, I'm watching, if, if you watch, um, I, I find it hard to. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll turn on uh, MSNBC's night schedule. Okay, it's the uh, Rachel Maddow show now, okay? Mm. When I watch it, what it looks like, because it's all about Mueller and collusion and um, who visited Trump Tower and who went over to Russia and who was doing dealings with the uh, Middle Eastern people? I, like that. I, I wish I could take her. I want to. Really? Yeah, she bug she bugs me. She does. She, she bugs me too. Performer. The thing is, I agree with her. The thing is, I agree with her. Stop to acting like she acts like Ruth Buzzy. She looks like Ruth Buzzy when she also acts like Ruth Buzzy. But that's like, the whole yeah. thing. I'm watching this, and all it reminded me of was all the shows that Fox was doing about Benghazi. Or emails. Uh, uh, it was all yeah, this, this yeah. conspiracy theory. Now, of course, the difference is, is that one of them was made up and the other one has genuine authenticity to it. And you got all these groups now 
that are basically spewing out memes. Okay, it's Occupy Democrats, the other ninety-eight mm-hmm. percent, and they are. Th- I mean, they come out. There's, you know, I have friends of mine that post two or three of them every day. Okay, and you know, obviously, there's a difference. Okay, the ones that the Democrats are putting out now about what Trump is doing are more often than not factually based. But I've found a few that aren't. I found a few that really give rise to the hypocrisy. Screed, okay. You, you know, there's enough there that's true, that's bad. You don't need to make shit up. You don't need to truncate statements or repost something in a modified way to make it more narratively convenient. Say the truth, and let that speak for itself. All right. And uh, this is about uh, three weeks ago. Okay, right after the last show, a. Um, a uh, friend of mine um, posted something. Um, let me see where it is here. It was, uh, it was about a Republican candidate named Patrick Little. I don't know if you heard of this guy. He is running for the Senate seat in California against Dianne Feinstein. And Patrick Little said, quote, I propose a government that makes counter-Semitism, counter-Semitism central to all aims of the state. And he argued in favor of forbidding, quote, all immigration except the biological kid, where no person of Jewish or- origin may live, vacation, or traverse. Currently, okay, at the time, this is three weeks ago, this guy, Patrick Little, is the leading Republican in the polls with 18%. And he could be the official GOP candidate for senator from California if he wins a primary in June. An extremely conservative friend of a friend of mine, okay? This guy is Jewish, lives in California. He's an unabashed supporter of President Trump. And when he was confronted with this fact, which I'm certain he was already aware of, okay, he responded by saying, I'm Jewish, you idiot. Why would I like him, you moron? <laughs> okay? <laughs> However, he was then asked, if it came down to a choice between Patrick Little and Dianne Feinstein, who would he vote for? And he answered, writing candidate. But it doesn't matter. Republicans have no chance to win in California. And that was it. This is when I realized it. I said, it was this kind of response to what, in my mind, is, is a rhetorical question. Well, you can't vote for the fucking dipshit white supremacist. I know you're, you know, but if that's all you got, you got to go for the person whose politics you may disagree with, but at least he's not a racist. And Anthony, okay? It was... His response was basically a non-denial denial, okay, when it comes to accepting the idea of voting for a neo-Nazi rather than a liberal, although she's not incredibly progressive, actually, turns out. And it makes me feel justified in painting every Trump supporter with the same brush. And I've always contended that all Republicans aren't racists, but every racist I ever met was a Republican. I increasingly find it hard, really hard. To be able to make the same distinction within a group regarding those who staunchly support President Trump. Anyway, this guy, you know, somebody, we, I'd gone a few rounds with him over the years on Facebook, and I was trying to keep to my resolution, okay, mm-hmm. stating it with civility. Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I remember. I'm, okay. Should write that on the wall. Yeah, instead of debating with Ranker, and I, I tried. I tried. I yeah. Did. So this is what did I, you Did you let the Ranker out? Well, not in, I said, my, my response was, but what if this guy did have a chance and it was close enough that your vote for him or Feinstein did matter? 
What then? Still, I think the real message here is that Republicans in California can't find anyone with a more compelling and less overtly bigoted message than this guy. Don't seem to care if they could, and thus don't really care about California conservatives like you. On the one hand, they're not even putting up a fight. And on the other hand, they're perfectly fine with a self-proclaimed anti-Semite representing Republicans in the Golden State. The GOP may not have a realistic chance at the Senate seat in California. But the least they could do is run someone genuine that speaks to your purported true ideology. Instead, Republicans in California have garnered Patrick Little 18% of likely primary voters. And that was after he called for a government, quote, free of Jews. So now imagine if the polls had this guy and Dianne Feinstein neck and neck and control of the Senate was at stake. Maybe even the future balance on, on the Supreme Court. And there you are, all alone in the voting booth. What are you going to do? And I said, now here you go. This is, okay. I said, look, pal, I've chosen to vent at your expense several times over the years. But I'm betting you wouldn't be able to stomach the prospect of having to watch a guy like Patrick Little make speeches on the Senate floor and spew his brand of conservatism on Fox and Friends, all while knowing that you helped make someone like him suddenly seem acceptable. The problem is that this guy's already halfway there. And the reason for that is because Republicans aren't loudly and vigorously condemning him, along with several, several others like him around the nation, who are running for office. Since they're afraid of losing control of the Senate and they are petrified of losing control of the House, where impeachment proceedings could be initiated. So from an objective view, one might conclude that Republicans, at least tacitly, support Patrick Little. Do I think you support him? No. Nor do I think you'd ever vote for him. But we both know that there are plenty of folks who will. If hardcore conservatives like yourself can't proactively come out en masse against a guy like this so that his kind can't covertly ooze into political acceptance in the future, then you'll never get a Republican candidate in California that you deserve. And Democrats will be justified in questioning the Republican Party's true commitment to the belief that all men are created equal. I also said that I originally considered titling this piece Calling a Spade a Spade, but I thought better of it. Still, you had to say it. Of course I did. Bigot. You're damn right. So, about a week ago, the exact same friend of mine posted mm-hmm. another meme that said, okay, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a Democrat, he's liberal. And what he posted said, new rule. You don't get to spend eight years telling Barack Obama to go back to Kenya, disrespecting his children and threatening to hang him, and now tell me to respect Donald Trump because he's our, he's our president. And this was a meme that was circulated by Occupy Democrats. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the picture, there's uh, two people with, like, signs. One of them says, go back to Kenya, and the other one has got – it says, hang in there, Obama, with a picture of a hangman's noose. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you know, you can call this guy Cheeto Head and all his shit to the cows come home. The, the different, the, the blatant racism during the Obama years is what, you know. Yeah, and they deny it and they de- to this day. Right. Well, once again, the friend of my friend just couldn't help himself from seeking to defend the indefensible mm-hmm. by attempting to validate a contrived and convoluted comparison. This time, it was by posting a picture of Obama 
with Louis Farrakhan. This is from the 2005 DNC conference. Mm-hmm. Now, this particular picture mm-hmm. um, has been making the rounds because it was a picture that was taken by a professional photographer and then mm-hmm. never released. Okay. Okay. The picture is from backstage at some DNC conference, like I said, in mm-hmm. 2005. And he posted this and he said, ah, you know, look at what – basically, well, look at what you guys do. You, you know, blah, blah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I asked him, I said, what's your point? That Obama is secretly supportive of Farrakhan's anti-Semitic beliefs and the other tenets of the Muslim Brotherhood? Uh-huh. Or is this just something you had laying around for when you needed a distracting, what about when so-and-so did such-and-such to avoid dealing with the actual issue, which is the blatant hypocrisy of Republicans feigning displeasure at the treatment President Trump gets from the left? The real difference is the overt racism that spewed from the right while Obama was president versus criticizing Trump for being a liar. And he said that his point was, this is in fact that Farrakhan had Obama's ear, but he still wanted to keep this a secret. I like that. I will say that Trump isn't perfect either. And while I have never been associated with hate groups, have you, the average Obama supporter? I doubt it. That's what he says. He goes, there is hate on both sides. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. No, and no, Obama and Trump no. aren't perfect. This is a picture. Um, this is something that my, my friend has never learned, can't understand. And when I show him this picture, he claims it must be photoshopped. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, th- and he goes on to say this. He goes, so how many white and or Jewish Democrats are disgusted that Obama had associations with Farrakhan? Now, I'm still trying. Go ahead. Okay. Because I, I, I have something for that. Okay. Okay. I wrote disgusted, more like disappointed. Because a man of his intelligence had to know what Farrakhan was about. I would have been disgusted if he had demonstrated his support of the bowtie bigot by openly excusing his rhetoric as a way of tacitly encouraging his followers to feel more emboldened. But that's irrelevant to my point, which is that you can't seem to just say, yeah, these kinds of signs, the sign with the hang in there, Obama. Mm-hmm. You can't just say these kinds of signs are why I'm sometimes ashamed of the Republican Party. Because folks like this are trying to use political ideology to mask the fact that they basically don't think a nigger should be president. And I ain't about that. He can't say it. And I also pointed out, I said, you know, by the way, at that point, if you say something like that, okay, you'd be free to crack a joke like, I just don't want this socialist nigger in the White House. Ben Carson, on the other hand, sure. <laughs> okay. Instead... You reflexively feel obliged to try and compare it to something that a Democrat or a bunch of Democrats did. The racist redneck pond scum in this picture had been brazenly courted and coddled by the president you support. Pointing out that Obama or Clinton or Democrats in general have done some fucked up shit doesn't make the shit that racists in your own party do any less fucked up. It's just your way of not having to claim to admit that it exists. And then being forced to confront it. You can't claim to truly believe that all men are created equal, but with the caveat that some are more equal than others. It's easy to criticize your opponent. It's being able to smack down one of your own when their actions are repugnant. That is the measure of virtue. After all, as Malcolm X once said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. All right. All right. Now, you know... He said that skin color was never a factor. 
Now, there's never a factor. I just disagree mm-hmm. with his, his things. He goes, mm-hmm. but he said, you know, if you, when, when he was president, he said, if you disagreed with him and you were white, you were labeled a racist. If you were black and disagreed, you were an Uncle Tom. Okay. He, he's almost right there. I said that this attitude towards criticism is a direct result of the way that President Trump handles dissension. Never admit, or on purpose anyway, and never, ever apologize. What we have now is Trump supporters using the same methodology as the president himself. Mm-hmm. You know, what about this? What about that? Go. So you got a picture of somebody standing next to somebody that said some racist shit, do you? As a so 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 Obama's a bad person because he's got he stood next to a racist, okay? He stood next to a scumbag. But you're but the, but your president, your president, the guy that you think that should be president is the scumbag. He doesn't have to stand next to a scumbag. Anybody that he stands next to will be looked will look like a scumbag by comparison. He's the scumbag. You've got some oh, Obama went to a church there where the minister had said some racist shit at some point and we got a clip of it as opposed to a racist piece of shit that you think should be president. And the only reason that you don't think that there's anything wrong with that and that you're pretending that you don't see the difference is because you are a racist scumbag. You got Nazis marching in the street. You got the right, president, the president on both sides, the president <laughs> defending them, and you are defending them. You gotta say when when the Nazis march in the street, and I say to the guy next to me, "Oh shit, fucking Jesus! Nazis marching in the street. Where's a rock or a tomato or something?" And the person standing next to me says. Well, wait a minute. You gotta understand. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a Nazi. Yeah. That's a Nazi standing there. All right. You know who doesn't have a problem with Nazis? Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> you know who doesn't have a problem with Klansmen? Fucking Klansmen. Those of us who aren't Nazis. Those of us who aren't Klansmen. Don't make a distinction between the Klansmen and the Klansmen ass kissers. All right. We don't make a distinction between Nazis and Nazi sympathizers and Nazi apologists. You're all fucking Nazis. I agree. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Stop trying to make a comparison. You're a bigoted piece of shit. You don't get to say that Obama stood next to a bigot, all right, and say, I'm not a bigot for hating him because of that. Yes. Fuck you. You yeah. are a bigot. Yes. I agree. 100%. There's no doubt about it. And this is what, what I'm finding now is because of and By the way, saying that you're a Republican for economic reasons is like saying, I know. I, I'm not That's a, the hey, joke. I don't hate kikes. The sun rises in the West. That's what that argument sounds like to me. I'm not a bigot, even though I hate all these minorities, but I'm not a bigot because something of, that's factually not true. Right. Like Republican policy is better for the economy. Trickle down is Tri- going to happen. Yeah. Trickle down is going to happen. Therefore, I'm not a bigot. Yeah. All right. I'm voting Republican because I believe in trickle down. Well, you know, you don't. No, you don't. There's no reason to believe that you, you well, don't that's you're just pretending to people there's no people vote there's tax no precedent for the rich because they all believe listen, that someday it, they'll be rich it doesn't work on paper it doesn't work in practice yeah. it's never worked in history Ever. you've got no positive example to cite so saying that you that, that you are uh, you have your position because the sun rises in the west doesn't hold any water nazi <laughs> hey man i agree with everything you just said Hundred oh, percent. Right. Hey, awesome. there's Can no, there's, yeah. There's what I think. The thing is, is that we were coined as the term for a while was "what aboutism." Yeah, that was yeah. A, what yeah. about? But it's now we've gotten to, a little bit further than that now because 
they're, they're being further emboldened. It's not even about comparison anymore. They're literally just using the Trump technique. That's all it is now. Just never apologize. If not for this show, I wouldn't. I'm doing a great job avoiding them all. I don't want to have the same conversation over and over again. My life is wonderful and rich and full. I don't have time to spare humoring these people like this this friend of yours. I don't. I I, I don't. I don't have friends like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a friend of a friend. I have standards. All right. Uh, they might not be particularly high, well, now I right? feel bad. but they're not up to they're not up to the minimum standards. All right, because because the minimum standards is don't be a Nazi. Yes, don't be a Klansman. Yeah, I really, yeah, that that really does have to. That's kind of one of the things that that I'm going to have to put in there in the uh, job description. You, know, you just can't yeah. be a Nazi, man. You just can't. I'm I'm really going to have to draw the line. I really do. But I I'm I think that is one of the things that's that's going on now that I'm finding a little disturbing is that that attitude of well, the president can get away with it. Fuck it. That's what I'm going to yeah. try now because I love him so much. So now it's what would Trump do? What would Trump do in this situation? What would Trump do? Huh. Yeah, no. No, he'd hire another lawyer if he could find one and <laughs> find one willing to work for him. There you go. What would Trump do? We're going to keep the groove going. Here. What do we got over here? Hey, this is actually some pretty cool shit. It's Roger Daltrey and Wilco Johnson on the Groovathon. SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
old baby. Five scrawny guys getting it done. The faces, I know I'm losing it. That was live at the BBC 1971. Fantastic show. Of course, that's the uh, Temptations classic right there. They record that in, I don't know, mid to late 60s, 66, 67, somewhere like that. Definitely giving the drummer some on that one. Kenny Jones, little drum solo. Best lineup of the faces right there with the two Ronnies, Wood and Lane, as opposed to the comedy show that was on uh, BBC during the early 70s, the two Ronnies. One was big, one was small. Funny guys. For that lack of Afro live at the club from Press on 2007. Before that, yeah, keeping the uh, keeping the swirl on as far as uh, the whole, you know, Israel-Palestinian thing. Bob Dylan, neighborhood bully from Infidels, came out in 83. Perhaps my favorite Bob Dylan album, okay? You know, blood on the tracks, blah, 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 Highway 61, blah, blah, blah. Nah, Infidels. Okay, produced by Mark Knopfler. So we got mm-hmm. a double shot of Knopfler on the show. Yep. Bonus package, of course, is that he uses on that album uh, Sly Dunbar and Robbie Shakespeare oh. for the drum and bass. Yeah, those guys were literally, I've said this before, right around that time in the, the 80s right then, uh, Sly and Robbie were like the go-to guys, bass drum production studios. They, they were doing work not just for Bob Dylan. They were at Black Uhuru. They did mm-hmm. a ton of the work for Grace Jones. Uh, when she did, uh, was it Slave to the Rhythm? When they read, you know, it's like the best new uh, enemy called it the, the best extended play 12 inch ever recorded. They put that together. Slime Robbie were really the go to guys back then. They're on this. And this particular album uh, by doing it's really great stuff. The music is good. The lyrics are good. It's, you know, he had gone through like a period of time. You know, he went to that. He like converted to Christianity, I guess, for a little while. Yes, I, I, I was a born again Christian when that happened. Yeah, I'm a born again. So virgin. I bought that. It was a horrible record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? Serve you, somebody. You got to serve somebody. That single was on it. You know. Uh, it was. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, I liked it. I, I was know. all excited. It's interesting. The other people that are on it. Is, uh, Mick Taylor's on it as well. From uh, you know, the old guitar player from the Rolling Stones. He's on that as well. So it's pretty cool. Before that, DJ did something brand new. DJ Williams and Shots fired that the song is called grove avenue they just came out with a cd called live from over where which just came out about uh, two months ago dj williams is the uh guitar player for uh carl denson's tiny universe carl denson is somebody i played plenty of his stuff he does a lot of work with gray boy all stars so like that so i i'm totally into that shit it's, yeah it's that's that's way up my alley there kicking off the set Wilco Johnson and Roger Daltrey going back home from going back home came out in 2014. Wilco, of course, the uh, guitar player for uh, Dr. Feelgood. You know, with all that, uh, what was it? The, uh, what was the uh, pub rock? That was it. It was pub mm-hmm. rock from back in the 70s. They were like, you know, the forefront of pub rock. It's a pretty good little, uh, little ditty there. You know, Daltrey, you know, at some point, it's, it's hard. You know, Wilco makes the album. Okay, he's the, the songwriting is good. Daltrey, you know, I want I want to like what he does, you know, because it's Roger Daltrey to who. So mm-hmm. I, I try as hard as I can. It's a 50-50 shot, that CD. There's about three or four really, truly dynamite, great rock and roll tracks on that. And then there's about five or six that are, uh, you know, they're okay. They're rock and roll tracks, you know, they're okay and stuff. But there, there are certainly three or four on that album. That are solid rock and roll, so it's you know it's certainly worth listening to for a little while. Anyway, time for me to take care of the people who take care of me. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Precision Auto Works of Pompano Beach, Florida. Nine five four two four seven nine three six two. Bumper to bumper, any make, any model, any make, any model. 
Dave and the entire A-S-E certified crew of gearheads. These guys are absolutely becoming the uh, go-to crew on Broward County for, you know, throttle junkies who want their uh, baby in Barrett Jackson condition. Okay, that's, they just, uh, I'll tell you something. If you know, you know, it, it was really hot. Yes. Okay. You want to know why? Because Dave did his cruising uh, the other Friday. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they do the uh, the burnout thing. So that that just the burnout there that raises the temperature for the globe mm-hmm. by about point one percent, point one degrees. Just it's ridiculous. The the water they used to pour all over the ground just to make sure the tar doesn't melt in front of his shop. They like mm-hmm. make him come out with a hose and stuff. So that's you know that's one of the reasons why. Of course, you can go to the SoFlow. Radio.com website. You click on the box on the top row that says Tony C's SoFlow Groovathon. It's going to take you right to my page where you're going to find a link for every show that we have ever done. All available to be listened on the site or downloaded for posterity. And above the link, you will see a list of all the songs played on the show. Each and every tasty morsel of groove is yours for the taking because you know why? You can't put a price on groove. You just can't. Nor should you. You shouldn't put a price on group. That's why it's priceless. At the top of the page, you're going to see a link for Precision Auto Works. It takes you right to their page. Tells you everything you need to know about the place. They do it all. Easy to get to. One minute off I-95. You take I-95, you go west on Atlantic. Make the very first left turn at Andrews. Make the first turn at the light at 3rd Street. Second left up on the second block up on the left. You're there in 60 seconds. Mention the Groovathon. There is a discount. You're not going to need it, though. Mm-hmm. Very fairly priced. One of the things I love about Dave, he cares more about making sure he gets the job done right than seeing if he can, you know, fleece you out of a few extra dollars. Okay? I've Honestly, this is the one guy where I have heard several people go, you know, I can't believe he only charged me this amount because somebody else said they wanted to do all this. He mm-hmm. literally had some guy come in who had, like, been, been given a quote of $3,000, and Dave went in and said it was literally a computerized problem. If you reprogram this, it only cost me 300 to pull the computer out and reprogram it. So that took care of the entire thing. So I was like, that's, that's pretty good. You know, nice way to save money. 954-247-9362. Precision Auto Works in Pompano Beach, Florida. It is absolutely the place where people who love their cars... Take, Take their cars. Them. Yeah, baby. A little hang time there. We went for hang time. You know what that means? Yeah. Time for the gripe group. And we're going to pop the clutch with a band that I am certain George was humming along to in the shower just this morning. It's Socrates drank the conium on the drive group on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
Escribe. There you go. I told you, man. Best version of that song I've ever heard. That is George Benson on Broadway. That is from Live at Cafe Wa. Uh, back from 2009, the Cafe Wa, uh, and he's playing with the uh, Cafe Wa house band, which basically these guys are like of all the, the house bands that are in New York City down in, uh, you know, Cafe Wa's out of McDougal Street. It's been there forever. Cafe mm-hmm. Wa is literally, you know, it's going through some permutations over the years. I think it started like back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And then uh, somebody had it and was doing Russian music there for a little while. They changed the name and it changed it back to uh, Cafe Wa again. And they have a house band there that is, um, you know, this is a house band where people show up just to play with them. They're that mm-hmm. good. Okay? And all kinds of people have played with them. And this is George Benson, was in the audience. He comes up and plays. And it is spectacular. You know, it's easy to forget how fucking good he mm-hmm. is at playing guitar. You know, when he did all that work for a Blue Note in the 60s. Um, you know, he was kind of their go-to guy for a lot of studio work back then. And then, you know, was it um, Steve Lukather wrote uh, one of his big hit songs, one of those love songs. They mm-hmm. did him and uh, Jay, uh, Jay Graydon. Those two, they wrote, you know, whatever his big hit song was. Um, not Breezin, but, you know, his love song. Okay. okay. And, I, you know, and from that point on, he was kind of, you know, he did that. And now, all these years later, he's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, he's getting back, you know, he's gotten wiser, made his money. Now he can go back to doing what he likes. And this performance is so worth it. When you see him playing, you see the way the band is, is around him, and it really is a stark reminder of why, you know, he's George Benson. And you are not, you know. Before that, yeah, another one. Gary Moore, really going to rock from Dirty Finger. That uh, came out in 1981. That was uh, after uh, Thin Lizzy, after... Coliseum 2, uh, Don Airy is on that keyboard player. He's also played with uh, Deep Purple and also with Coliseum 2. For that, this is, uh, you know, I've got to get my uh, bluegrass swirl on. Love it. Mike Aldridge, Little Rock Getaway. Uh, he came out with an album in 1992, Eight String Swing. So we got eight tracks to slide, eight wheels to glide, eight strings to, I don't know, eight strings to prior. I can't do it. Um, it is on um, the. I have that song. I don't have the original Eight String Swing. I've got that song on a uh, four disc retrospective from Sugar Hill Records. The other okay. Sugar. I have. This is the thing. I have two Sugar Hill Records compilations. One, the Sugar Hill from New Jersey. The other one is the Sugar Hill from you know wherever it is, Kentucky, I think. Okay, and uh, absolutely, if you're a bluegrass fan, okay. The Sugar Hill Records, it's called Sugar Hill Records, a retrospective. It's a four-disc CD, absolute must-own, as is, of course, the five-disc Sugar Hill Records story, okay? Because, you know, I can't get enough Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five. You have five full CDs of that shit, and I'm all over it. And kicking off the set, yeah, your favorite of mine, I know you've, You've been, you're almost bored by listening to him. I understand that. Socrates drank the conium with their obviously, you know, overplayed to the point where it's played more than Radar Love, I guess. Their song, Destruction, from On the Wings, came out in 1973. Those guys are from Greece. 
And there was a, uh, this was during that time in Europe where all these bands like uh, Focus, as for instance, it's a perfect example, were doing this kind of music. And so these guys actually have a bunch of albums they came out with um, between 1971 and 1973. Mm-hmm. Okay? I still don't know what conium is. Did you look it up? Hemlock, the scientific name for hemlock. Is it? Which is what Socrates drank when they... Uh, That's great! Is conium ma- maculatum. Maculatum. Conium right. maculatum is the scientific name for hemlock. Well, they... Hey, learn some... We're, we're here to school you, baby. Okay? I didn't know that. I was going to look there it up, go. and I thought to myself, I got distracted by something. But the name of that band alone? Mm-hmm. Come on. That's, that's great. That's yeah. literally how I discovered them. I was, you know, it's six degrees of YouTube, and I saw that name of the band. I was like, all right, anybody who's going to name, you know, with a name of the band like that, I've got to give them a chance. <laughs> you know? I'll at least give them the first 15 seconds, and they suck me right in. So there you go, baby. 87 in the books. We love yeah, it. You know? Came in, you came in, you were a little verklempt, a tad, a tad. Yeah, a lot going on. Tad verklempt. I'm hoping, okay, that two and a half hours of groove and yakety yak. You got, you got to vent a little. Mm-hmm. Okay, the venting sure. as opposed to yeah. the grinding. Now that somebody stole my mezuzah. That's hate the hate f- crime. I'm a victim of anti-Semitism. That, what the fuck? Unless, now let me tell you, let me ask you something. Is it conceivable that someone... Uh, you know, Jewish took a liking to it and stole it. No. A ganif, no, if you will. No, wouldn't happen. No? All right. Nope. All right. Anybody who wants a mezuzah that bad would never steal somebody else's because it's, it's not happening. At least they, I can't. They would be too I'd crumb. like to meet the, Well, I, that, I wouldn't like... That would, that would be chutzpah. I wouldn't like to meet that That person. would be chutzpah, right? That would be chutzpah. <laughs> that would be a shanda of the Just, highest order. Yeah, stolen mezuzah over here. Seriously. Can't go to heaven that way. That is straight fucked up. Yeah, it was a nice one from Israel. It was. It was a good Superman. Mezuzah. It was Superman, the Superman mezuzah. Mezuzah. Yeah, with the with the gay stripe. Yeah. Rainbow. I was supporting everybody there. I, you know what? This is, you know, well, the shame is no. your birthday's in December. Yeah, it's all in December, man. All right, I got to figure out a, an excuse to get you a mezuzah. All right, I've got the people. I've got, I've got hey, the people. Hey, I mean, we got a lot of Jewish holidays between now and then. Not really. Yeah, yeah, you got a lot of Jewish holidays between now and then. So. Uh, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. Sure, something. And uh, Hanukkah, I guess. Purim. Purim? No. No? No. Spring. Yom, Yom Kippur? Purim, no? spring. Right. Yom Kippur, yeah. Rosh Hashanah, okay. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. something. Purim There's spring. something. I'll get the calendar. So, we are going to get Sokus? you out of here on one of the 15 different versions of Let Why? 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 Uh, that's Sukkot? Sukkot. Sukkot. Yeah, don't tell me how to pronounce it. <laughs> There's a Cuban Sephardic action going on there, right? Right. There you go, Sephardic. But um, we're going to get you out of here on one of the, I don't know, dozen versions of Let's Work Together that I have. I can, I can literally just do show after show and pick a different one. This one's, I like this one, though. It's a little ride cooter action. And we just like the fact that we can say, what's his name again? Cooter. There you go. <laughs> this, is, this is our Beavis and Butthead moment. <laughs> <laughs> As always, though. You know, we're going to come back in, what, two, maybe three weeks? Who the fuck knows? Yeah, whatever. We don't whatever. Have we got a lot going on. But you know what? There's plenty of groove. You can always go to the site. Go back and listen to as much groove as you want. That's why we put it up there. So you never have to be without groove. <laughs> as always, for myself and the master, Grandmaster Flash of Los Georges, is always peace and aloha. Good night, Mom. <laughs> Thank you.